I am speaking now with my voice. כן, בלה 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 וואו. Hello, hello, and good morning. Good morning indeed. How are you, Yael? Good, how are you? I'm good. So, to those who don't know, my name is Al Shruti. And I'm Yael Schweiger. And this is TechPoint Charlie, episode 9. She does that. So, Raz, what are we going to talk about today? Today we're going to talk about processes. And even though it sounds a little bit boring, um, because processes are boring, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but I think there are a lot of problems with how people implement processes or adopt processes in their organization. And basically, processes is maybe uh, the skeleton of, of how we work and it defines our culture. It defines basically everything we want to do. Uh, it helps us achieve things. And I think in a lot of the cases... Um, when it's implemented wrong, we start working for our processes and we start having a cargo cult instead of actually having processes that work for us. Right. And when you have a right process that's right for your team at this point in time, then it's something that can facilitate uh, a lot of communication and very good work and to get things going and moving to the right uh, direction that you want them to go. Yeah. And as we learned from our episode six with Charles about organizational culture, um, processes help us basically They're important for us because they help us shape our culture. Right. As Charles mentioned, if you want to have, for example, a customer-oriented uh, culture, you can implement in your process uh, a method of having the, your developers or product managers or your, uh, user experience people to talk to customers uh, once in a while, to, to join forces with the customer success team or whatever other function you have. Yeah. And, and so it's really important to use processes processes wisely and to use them for and understand the goals that you're trying to achieve and I think at least from my experience from working for I don't know how long um, I've seen processes implemented in a wrong way where it felt that I was working for the process and the process was really doesn't work was never right. working for me when the process kind of comes in your way of trying to achieve something when you have to slow down and not for a good reason but for the reason of this is how we do it or we have to do something. Um, which at some points you can also skip or change or alter or, you know, when it's recurring, then maybe it's, it's time to change things around. Uh, but also to come back to what we were talking about with Charles. So basically, maybe we should talk about what a process is. So it's a series of rituals or expectations or steps that you set um, that tells you how or in what order you should be working or with whom. Yep. I use this so i don't I don't think I've stole it from anywhere. I think I actually thought about this example and I use it a lot at work. Process is basically if you're driving down a road and there's an intersection. So the process is in some intersections you have a red light and you know, oh, this is the ritual the The light is red means I stop if it's yellow, I need to actually prepare for stopping if it's green, I know I can drive, and I know I can drive, and I know that the others mm-hmm. will actually follow the same process. Um, and I always also try to tell my team, but different intersections have different process in them. So we right. don't need to just always put stoplight. Sometimes a roundabout is good enough. If it's small, we need to understand what we're trying to achieve. Um, th- this is always, I try to, I, I love kind of paralyzing things to reality because it makes them more tangible. Yeah. Maybe also to add to your analogy is that, uh, sometimes the number of the roads 
or the roads that you can take in an intersections are a part of the process because if you come to an intersection and you can either go just right or left maybe it's time to add another road and or take the you know the dirt road <laughs> yeah and not not just the road road <laughs> so i think basically our our major kind of intro to this was we're talking about how to build a process that works for the team and works for you as an organization but you like when to minimize like your amount of work mm -hmm. to it so you won't be f like you don't need to feel enslaved by the process but actually the process is right. there to let you facilitate for things that are difficult and to ba basically i guess if the intersection uh, paralyzing is working for you then how to basically prevent major crashes but accept that um, we don't want to also to have a complete slowdown right yeah so let's talk about how to build a process I can share from my perspective as a person who believes that processes are inherently evil. <laughs> I'm one of those people. But a necessary evil. Yes. I, I don't think they're evil at all, but I, I, I like your approach to that. So. I, think, I think we have complete disagreement about that. I think I have the same with my manager where I say, uh, I think processes are evil, but they're necessary evil. And my manager claims processes are adorable and they're best thing ever. So yeah. um, it doesn't matter. I think we all in the end mean the same thing. Um, but... I approach processes with cautious with caution and I don't implement process and I, I try to avoid implementing process unless it's needed and you mean incomplete like full new process full new process yes um, so if for example we had I don't know a problem in production mm -hmm. and someone says we should have a process to fix it I'm always questioning that we should have a process to fix it I'm always asking how like when did it happen ever before? What was really like this problem that we had? What was really the impact of yeah. it? Because a lot of the times when we implement process, we basically slow down, for example, our development velocity. Yeah, and it's, sometimes it's like, I think like an emotional yeah. uh, or professional band-aid to say like, oh, we fucked up. If we change something in the process, it means that we have solved it or we take, we've taken responsibility. But sometimes acknowledging and finding out what the problem was and just taking responsibility either as a person or as a team or just finding out and being very open about it is all you need to do. Sometimes you don't need to change the process. Yeah. And sometimes you have the supporting processes. For example, you can do a lessons learned. Yeah. And from a lessons learned out of those things, you basically try to figure out what was the root cause of those things. But um, I think it's a very common mistake to uh, yeah. to figure like to to break down everything to say a pr this process would fix it. Right. Um, yeah. So I'm very and cautious about should, processes. Yeah. Maybe we should just add that a lesson learned is a method. So it's not just yeah. like sitting in a room and just saying, "Oh, I think this happened this way." It's actually something that you can conduct. It can take between thirty minutes to an hour. Don't need much time. Uh, maybe we should talk about this in a different episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's basically, I think, most commonly known as a post-mortem, where something happened. Uh, I completely dislike the name, by the way. I'm trying to use lessons learned more than the other yeah. most commonly known name because it's extremely morbid. But anyhow, yeah, so you can find how to do that. There, there, are, min there are different methods like uh, the infinite whys or the five hows or maybe it's the other way around. Which I don't we can remember. Like. And I think we may maybe dive into that in a different episode, but... I am a big believer of lessons learned. I think that's a great process to have because it actually helps uncover things. But 
as a, and as focus a on the problem and not on like what we're feeling in the moment. Exactly. And focus on the problem and maybe how, how to understand how it happened is more important than maybe how to solve it the next right. time. And just by understanding how it happened kind of helps us next time as, as we go because it's added information that we have. Right. And to figure out whether we should influence our process one yeah. way or another. Which is an action item or an outcome of this meeting. It could be could that be. we will have something like a process that would fix it. It all depends on... The, Mm. The, the like the size of the crash, the amount of like uh, problems that we actually had to fix, the amount of time we had to spend on it, and and the fear that it will happen again, and what and, it means for us. Yeah, and I guess the nature of the problem, because if it's like oh we sit next to each other, we just didn't talk about it, you can do it next time. Yeah. Um. So you don't need to change the process, or you don't need a step of saying like let's talk about this before we do something else, uh, because it's not necessary for every item or everything that we uh, make. Uh, but sometimes, yeah, sometimes you have to change them. All right, so going back to your example of uh, something, you know, went wrong, and then someone says, oh, let's rehaul this whole thing. Yeah. Um, well, I actually will, uh, I would love to ask you that question. Like, have you ever had a, an organization, have you ever worked in an organization where they overhauled completely the process? Yes. How did it work for you? Um, well, there was one example where it didn't work very well because it was kind of sudden out of nowhere. And I don't think that the problem analysis, uh, took place in a enough, enough time in advance in enough depth. Um, but there was actually another example that I have in mind that really worked, but that was because we realized that we need to like shuffle the teams, that the sizes of the team is not uh, working well and uh, also it affects our process but we built it together and then we had a point in time where we said okay we're going to stop working this way and going to completely work in another way but that is something that was well designed uh, along with the team and it was focused on solving specific problems. So you're talking about basically the the work like the day-to-day -day work process like the agile method or waterfall yeah. or whatever. They were both uh, agile based. Mm -hmm. Yeah oh, that's interesting. Um can you maybe just, I don't know, it's, it's really interesting to me. Um, can you, so what did work well on the second one as opposed to the first one from the creation of the process? Uh, you already kind of mentioned some things. Yeah, but. well, actually, I don't know if I can like lay it out in, you know, one summary. But as I know you'd like, you like to say, um, you say that you like, uh, we should, you usually say that we should work towards small incremental changes and not, you know, overhaul process just because. And I think that overall was actually a result of incremental changes because mm -hmm. a long time we realized that we should be doing things differently and we tried those small incremental changes and the result was that we realized that we had more significant problems and that's because we're sticking to a process trying to improve it bit by bit and if we work with something else completely, um, then it would just solve many things. Yeah, um, by the way, I'm totally with you. So I, I totally believe in small incremental changes but sometimes you don't really have like the current established process that you have is literally is just not working and right. small incremental changes would mean that in three years you will get to a different process that you already know that would probably solve your problems better yeah and you can always case, try you can always try yeah. whether it's on one team or, or more but actually that brings me to a question for you because you wrote the journey model 
which is amazing, by the way. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Not to toot your horn for you, but... (laughs) (laughs) No, you don't need to. I'll do it myself. uh, Yeah, it's actually... (laughs) 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 No, it's really really great and an inspiration. And I know it's also being implemented in several companies already, which is uh, great. Uh, I was also, I guess, a witness to the point in time where you were writing it. I think you actually contributed to it a lot a of, little as bit. well. <laughs> a lot. Okay. Yeah. Um, but actually, this is an overhaul. I mean, it is an improvement of yeah. some models combined together, but it is problem-based, but it is uh, an overhaul, which is something that, you know, we just spoke about, like, when is it appropriate, yes or no? And maybe you can take us through that path because that's very interesting. So, yeah, um, I'll share whatever I can. So when I joined um, Wikimedia... And, yeah. and by the way, uh, this is online. So this is uh, free and open. We will is, share it. And yeah, it's basically public domain. I, I don't which have is any, also amazing. Yeah, everyone can use it. I don't claim to have anything. And also I used other things that are public domain when I wrote right. it. I, I basically based those things on the Spotify model and a company here in Berlin called Contentful where they work about, talked about their, their model as well. Mm-hmm. The Valve handbook. I will link all those things. But for me, it was super important before I even start is when I joined the team, the team wasn't working like they weren't actually um, reaching their potential mm-hmm. and delivery was not working well. The the team was struggling to actually communicate with one another as well. The, the process that they had was actually causing so much problems. It caused problems on, on a like personal basis as well. Right. Now, how, how do you see that? Like, how, how does it look like? So, um, for example, I'm not going to say anything about my my team that I joined, but for example, Obviously. it could mean that a team is not delivering anything or a team is so detached from their day-to-day work that they're working on different things that are not on the roadmap because they feel completely just like they, they have no faith that anything will go out anyhow. So they're not committed to what yes. you're planning to yes. do? Yes, they okay. basically don't believe in, in what the organization is doing anymore or don't believe that anything that they will do can will contribute to anything. So mm-hmm. they're just like doing something else. Um, there are a lot of arguments that so people are arguing with one another about what should be done. It feels like chaos and, and some somewhat out of control situation mm-hmm. where, and this is like, so implementing processes is super difficult because we're talking about change management and 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 changing the way people behave but i think i had re- i had the luck to well, luck i think it was a miserable experience for my team when i joined but mm-hmm. they were already at the point where they were so fed up with everything that they were willing to accept whatever right um and when i, I so when i joined i basically just didn't do anything for a month or even maybe one and a half. Well, I'm, I'm sure you did observe, but yes. you mean like not actively changing. Exactly. Anything. I was a fly on the wall. I just joined the meetings. I joined the rituals and I tried to take a look at those things and try to understand what are the problems. And I also did some interviews in the one-on-ones. Yeah. And I like how when you do those, you I, I do the same. I kind of I kind of say in advance, like, I'm not going to, you know, just I'm, I'm going to listen yep. and see how things are. So people, you know, are not worried like why... Doesn't she say anything? <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's it's super important to say that because otherwise you have a situation where you just join a place and people are like, what can is I, this person yeah. <laughs> doing? Yeah. yeah, go ahead. So yeah, about a journey model. So basically I, um, I started asking people about their problems and I realized that, for example, in my team back then, lack of focus was a big topic and we had a very small team to work on a very big topic as well. We had mm-hmm. insane amount of firefighting uh, and technical debt that was never paid and it was never the right time on the, 
product roadmap mm-hmm. and we had I think basically 12 people working on 12 different things so it was like a silo of one per thing so for example they had a daily but what are you expecting to get out of the daily where 12 people are talking about 12 different things yeah basically nothing. nothing but they follow the rituals because because yeah because because agile and agile tells us to have a daily yeah so, so just to ask so I can understand further because it's important for the people who are listening so they can identify, you know, uh, those situations is when you were talking to people or listening to problems that uh, people were saying they have, did it sound similar from a person to person or did you just like hear the commonalities? You heard there is a lack of focus in what people were saying and you heard there's a lot of firefighting or did people actually were able to tell you this directly? Most of them couldn't because most of them are so deep inside of the mud that they couldn't see it. They were just mm-hmm. basically saying, we're not able to deliver. We're, we're, I work on something and then something else interferes. And, and uh, we have all those different technical debt that we haven't paid for. And, I, and then they had opinions about how to fix them. But their opinions were very much like the perspective that they had because they were already too deep into it. Like I trying was... to fight for their own topic instead of just exactly. looking for you know, it's, it's really hard, hard to basically elevate yourself above that Obviously, topic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was a... also lucky to have sorry, uh, two new people joining the team that uh, had a very similar perspective as mine, as a new newcomer. You come in and you see things from a different layer, right? Oh, that's amazing to use that information. Definitely. Yeah, and, and that was great because they basically shared exactly the things I felt as well uh, as problems that they see, which was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then you identified kind of the, the themes that are occurring, which is a lot of firefighting and a lot of uh, lack of focus, never being able to, I guess, deliver on time. Well, not never, but... Well, know. yeah, I, let's say that as an example, not my team, let's say maybe didn't deliver at all for a while. Right. Yeah. And there was a lack of belief that delivering something is even possible. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so let's go back to reality then. When I work with my team, I after a while, I started reading about how to do things. And this is where I, I figured out, even though it's against my, my belief that uh, overhauling is usually works, I try to figure out how to make an overhaul work. Because I'm, I'm into small incremental changes. I'm a true believer that basically... Um, Continuous improvement is the only way to go, mm-hmm. and overhauling usually doesn't work. Yeah. Um, but in that case and in that specific situation, I couldn't see anything else, and I didn't have the time to give three-year process to lead it to, yeah. to a different place. So I basically just tried something out, and I, I what I did is I, I talked to you, and I talked to the team members that I have, and I basically tried to basically ask what are the problems that we have. What problems do we see? And then everyone basically clustered that into topics. And then we kind of refine the topics to actual big layer up, up level problems. And then we talked about what problems do we want to solve? Because we don't want to solve all problems and it's, it's okay. Yeah. And what problems are we willing to basically accept to our process? Mm-hmm. Um, because any process will come with problems. And then I talked to also the product managers, the UX people, and try to include that, but we basically focus in this specific thing on the development cycle process. Right. So when you were working on, so when you were working on uh, changing or figuring out the problems in the process for the engineering team, you also spoke to product and UX. Of course, and also management people. So everyone who has interface with this has to 
at least have some input and and and, exp- and understand how the output will come from the team, right? Because sometimes it's a mirror, yeah. Exactly. Of everything that's going on. But before we continue, I just wanted to say that uh, I think when you're doing uh, or aiming for small incremental changes uh, in the process of, like we talked about in, in retrospective episode, um, which was the last one. Um, that you just try something out for a couple of weeks and then see if you should, you know, get rid of it, keep, keep it or um, change it. Uh, you already have some trust of the, in the team yep. that we can make things work. And I think uh, in your situation, you had uh, the terms were that you had to also rebuild that trust within the teams that it can actually work, that you can actually change the process for the better and you can change daily work. So maybe doing it on a small scale is not something that you can gain much and say, celebrate a success. And also sometimes when you bring someone new or a new process, people like give it a chance. Yeah. And, and also at that point, if I'm honest, we also had um, a very important deliverable. Mm-hmm. And I thought I'm going to just bind the two together. So we, we are not going to reach this deliverable in the previous situation. But if we have... A shift to a new thing, and we have the like the feeling of we succeeded something. It's like it's a buying from the team by the fact that we actually achieved yeah. a deliverable. It can feed off each other. Yeah, even if you achieve and you understand like you have some issues, you can like then change the process. Yeah, and a big. Th- I, I think this is maybe there's the something positive. Yeah, and I think this is maybe the most important thing. If you are overhauling your process, think about exactly about your problems, what problems you want to solve, and implement a continuous improvement from this point on. Right. So if you so are it's moving, it's not a book, and that's a given, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. Like go back to our retrospective episode and and implement retrospectives, and let the process just be a, a living document yeah. or a living thing that changes all the time according to your needs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, our journey model, the document is open. So, and I'll explain a bit more about it uh, maybe in a minute or two. But um, we have a manual. Mm-hmm. The manual internally is not the same as I uh, posted uh, externally, of course. I posted what our, was our initial version, but internally, as we change people, we change our dynamics, the document always changes, and we have, like, you can basically add a suggestion, and it's like a code review. People actually give it a plus one, a minus one, and then in the end, we try it out, and if we like it, Very cool. we basically implement it in, and we change the manual. So the manual is always changing, it's always uh, adapting to whatever we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, and, and about the journey model itself, it's... Yeah, let's go back to talking about how you wrote it because you started to explain. Then you tried to identify the problems and you also liked the Spotify model or the things that it enables. But also you said... Yeah, um, we wrote it. You were also a part of it. But yeah, um, I'm not giving... I'm not letting you off the hook. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, as and, and when we talked about it here specifically, I remember even we talked about problems. We talked about how... What kind of problems we want to solve. We, you actually brought up the concept of involving all the other roles into it and not just thinking from a very much engineering-driven perspective and to talk about that with the product manager as well and talk about it with UX people, talk about it with management. Mm-hmm. Um, and writing it in a way that is kind of like a manual so you can actually read this on your own yes, and understand what we're trying to achieve. I think you even mentioned the fact that it should... When we wrote, when, like when we wrote it a bit, uh, you mentioned that I should basically even start with um like documenting the thought process that led to it so if yeah, i leave just, in two three years yeah. someone can actually understand why we even overhauled to it and what was the reasoning yeah. maybe if the problem like the problem uh, space changed mm-hmm. 
then maybe this thing doesn't work anymore or right. something. Yeah, as a person coming from a, a learning department before becoming a product owner, I always encourage people to write, and that's how I uh, write my documents, in a way that narrate your thoughts of what led you to what you're going to share with people. Um, so people always understand the mindset and what problem you were trying to solve. Because let's say uh, that I'm, it's a couple months after and there's a new uh, person joining and they read the document. Maybe they think that this process or guidelines are trying to solve something that they know right now, but actually it's trying to solve something that we already solved a few months ago, for example. Uh, it's also helpful for yourself to kind of, when you look back at some document to understand whether it needs to be updated, whether it needs to be like further crystallized. Um, and also I like that um, style of writing because if you write something as if you're speaking to someone, that they feel they're a part of this and they can, you know, if they read it at 10 p.m., whatever, when they're frustrated and they say, fine, I'll read whatever she sent me, um, they don't feel alone. And they feel like they're a part of this. And this is also something that when you brought the draft of the journey model, I said, yeah, put in your thoughts and try to speak to people through this. Yeah, that was great. I think it helped a lot. So um, what is the journey model is basically, let's kind of go back to the, to yeah. the topic. And it, it's not so it's not like a very highly complex process. It's basically we wanted to give focus to people to work on something right. We actually cared about knowledge sharing a lot. This is something that we wanted to, to solve. As I said, we had 12 people working on 12 different things. They had ownership over those things, which is tricky. Um, so we said we're going to basically form teams mm -hmm. um, for a limited amount of time. And each team will have one problem space only to solve. So if they work with a product on something, it's not one person doing it for whatever uh, seven months. We're going to put a team. So we basically have knowledge sharing already happening organically um, by because people working. Never, yeah. Because people working on things that are not out of their territory, those small teams, we had like one big Wikidata team of 12 people. Um, but now when we have like those small teams, they have their daily and their daily is basically uh, share context so they work on the same thing when they mm -hmm. actually share it's it's quicker it's smaller and also a 12 people daily takes an hour mm -hmm. a three cool. or four well not really an hour but you know but three or four people daily is quick it's like yeah. three to five minutes if you're on a regular day or 10 minutes if something really actually is, is urgent and needs to be discussed yeah so you have like a, a big team or a few teams that kind of rejoin to to be under one process and then you have small teams that are forming based on a problem or yeah. based on a focus either whether it's a research kind of task or whether it's make something kind of task and deliver um yeah. and then they assemble uh the um a moment the the appropriate amount of people uh for this task uh they assemble together they work on it they have their own daily they have an assigned product owner to be working uh, yes. with them on that. Maybe also a design person. And uh, and then when they finish their task, they, they disassemble. Yes. Basically, um, we put the time limit. The time limit is three months for each one of those. It doesn't mean that after three months, we're really going to disband the, the entire team. Mm -hmm. But the idea is to pause. And after three months, think... Is it the right mix of people? Maybe we've done most of the front-end work and we put a front-end developer there and we mm -hmm. really don't need that front-end. Maybe it's time to switch. And also it kind of contributes to the, to the basic understanding that we want to have better knowledge sharing and we don't want to have long-running teams because we really right. can't afford them. As a, as a, basically, as a small organization uh, that 
currently our, our product is bigger than what we can really support properly. We cannot mm -hmm. have a team that is stagnating or just stalling for right. two, three months, which is normal in a corporation where you have a project, you have a spike you work on, and then you have like some downtime, which is normal. And we couldn't really um, afford that. Mm -hmm. So we basically always shift and we have to be more dynamic with how we work. So you finish with one team and then you join another. Yeah. And we have the concept the of three months as a maximum. For three months as I a mean, maximum. A but also, of course, right? yes, of course, it could be shorter, but it's also it could be extended. So it doesn't right. mean that. So it, we just basically have like a ritual meeting after three months where we actually talk about what we achieved, what what's going on. And, and then maybe we want to change people. Mm -hmm. And one of the most important things that I think I haven't mentioned here is um giving people responsibility letting them feel that they actually they they own their fate they own what they want to learn they own their growth is saying me as your manager i don't make the i'm not telling you who's joining where so we basically have a meeting where the product manager if it's a product driven team that's going to form or the technical lead or the engineering manager mm -hmm. if it's a because it could be different types of problems yes it, the mm -hmm. problem space changes and and right. then the pro, like the product manager mm -hmm. like changes as well but basically present we have we present the problem space we present what we want to achieve basically and, and then we say you choose right and the your framework uh, supports uh, the how you should contextualize the problem and, yeah. and explain what that is and enable, I guess, question time and all of that. But then the, the point is that people decide where they want to join. And yes. I guess if they're, if you say, well, we only can have three people working on this, then the team has to figure out who it's going to be. Yeah. And, and, and this is the thing, like they are, we need to acknowledge the fact that they're adults. Um, like, I think this is a lot of problems some managers have that they forget that the people that they work with that they hired are extremely talented, are extremely smart, and they're adults. And so, you should utilize that. And you should utilize that. You as a manager, you don't know more, uh, like you're not smarter than them. You might know some higher level things more than them, but in the end, you need to give them all the tools and just yeah. back away. And you shouldn't aspire to be the smartest person in the room also. No. You should just aspire to like manage the situation well. Exactly. Which so, is a full-time job anyway. Yes. So basically, by letting the team know, this is what we want to achieve. That's our goal. Mm -hmm. You know the problem space you know it better than me because i'm a manager you're actually technical people um or if it's a product manager you like the developers usually know the pitfalls mm. and then we say hey remember that what we care about is knowledge sharing but uh, we care we also have a deadline so people actually think about it so mm -hmm. some people would join because hey, i'm a junior and this is a like i really am interested in databases and this is a very database heavy thing and i know that that um, and I know that other person that's joining is a senior database person. and if So it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for me to learn. But also the senior database person would say, well, I'm a senior database person. This is a very database heavy thing. It's yeah. basically my, I'm, I'm kind of obligated to join because yeah. it's important it that I sense. will do it and it makes sense. Yeah. And this is where the, the entire responsibility model really works. And another thing that we really liked out of it is it made us form the concept of each of those teams they have the concept where they choose their own, we call it a navigator. Um, um, like everything, read uh, our... Yeah, we're not going to go into all of the journey model. We're just using the examples because it's yeah. uh, fresh and it was interesting to form. And also it serves the purpose of explaining what we feel is important in processes. For example, taking ownership and giving people responsibility is something that we, I guess, both believe that oh, yes. should happen in processes in general. But we, it just embodied itself really well because it's uh, constructed into the process that we're talking about. Yes. And, and so, so let's um, not talk about... I'm leaving, I guess the roles. And no, the, no, no, 
the roles, but we have we have a concept. So when when we do form a team, we basically do say a team will choose their own navigator, and this is maybe the only journey model word I'll use. You can read about it in the doc. But the concept is this team will have a person that is navigating through the process mm -hmm. and creating the processes for them, and basically talking to the engineering manager because we realized when we had 12 people talking and it was a mess. Mm -hmm. But if we'll have four teams, which we basically do have, yeah. um, it makes it extremely difficult for the product manager and the engineering manager to talk to 12 people at the same time. But to have a person, like a, a go-to person, I think in Facebook they call it a feature owner yeah, or I a feature it a developer. Point. I think we a talked focal about point. it also. Exactly. So, so it gives the people also the opportunity to, to kind of try their management -y skills. So it's right. not a lot of work. It's like basically 5 to 10% of their work is basically mm -hmm. to do more project management and processes and, and, and help. Communication. And communication is super important as well. But it gives the people the opportunity to try it out and see if they like it or not. So it's, it's basically a way of saying... Um, let's give people more responsibility. So they don't just choose their team. Then they, they later can say which one of us will actually drive it mm -hmm. or we do we share it all together. So we, it's not a must. You don't have to have a focal point. If the team basically decides to share the load, perfectly fine. Yeah, and I think this goes in hand in hand with um, talking about growth and motivating people and maybe kind of going into management a little bit. But this is also what the, this specific process, the journey model, is about, uh, managing those things also because these were the problems that came up yeah. during your analysis. Exactly. So this is what it solves. And this is when it makes sense to do an overhaul, which is why we're talking about this in the first place. Exactly. Because if the problem is not something small like improving our QA process, for example, or improving quality or uh, adjusting, you know, delivery dates and like or communication issues, things that are smaller uh, yet very important that you can change bit by bit. Sometimes it's something like, need to deliver which we never do or have a focus or we need to reassemble the teams uh we need to redistribute them in a way that allows people to, you know to also gain motivation and responsibility then it makes sense to i guess turn into the internet and the, or books and try to find out whether there's something out there that can help you with those problems and then it makes sense to do an overhaul. So yeah, then let's transition out of the journey model because yeah. I have a question for you. So you just basically said you can turn on, you can basically go to books or the internet. So um, how would you use then, like, uh, like let's say you read mm. like the Spotify model online or any other type of model. How would you read that? How would you try to implement that in your team? I, so I actually, I would start with, I didn't. <laughs> I mean, I didn't implement. I read a lot. I do read books and online and straightly try to stay updated, you know, with, with new things that are coming out. Uh, mostly not because they're, you know, trendy and cool, but to try to learn from that. Because usually when you have a new method that is a hype, it's because it solved a problem in the industry. And that's also what happened with Agile, I think. Oh, yeah. When it came out and when it became a standard, that's because it really helped to revolutionize the industry and how we deliver things, how we plan them. Now there's a lot of criticism, which yeah. I share also some of it. Um, I yeah. think Agile, yeah, if I may, I think Agile was, um, it, it, so Waterfall, the problem of Waterfall was, and I have, I've have a talk about that that I actually give, yeah. um, I call it Waterfall is awesome. I think Waterfall was great for the eighties and the problem space of what we had in the sixties, seventies and eighties, where we actually shipped stuff mm -hmm. on hardware 
and and basically we had to be super secure that we don't have bugs and it was okay to deliver over features like it was fine if you basically ship something and 20% of the features were used and 80% were garbage mm -hmm. was still way cheaper than to actually deliver less features than needed so you basically always had to overshoot and overkill because you didn't have the internet we didn't and you we had didn't to have assume software a lot. as a software uh, software as a service yeah you had to assume a lot to assume that you know what your customers need or yes. do the research just at one point and then like uh, yeah. design everything from that point on and because the next time you would speak to customer would be months or years away. Yeah, and if you um, had to fix a problem, you had to basically ship a developer to many different servers right. of any other organization or install it. install it or to just have a patch on a, on a disk and ship that around the world. Right. All those things are super expensive. Agile solved the problem space of when the internet and software as a service became a thing right. where we could basically say, oh, Oh, this is not working well. Let's revert it. And there were new technical opportunities to actually make the change. Then the problems were well identified, yes. and like the agile, I guess, movement or you know all the all the methods kind of came up and and try to solve those problems. And I think what I like about that is when it's vastly used, it definitely helps you understand the problem. And sometimes uh, it's you know it was already solved, like for a while that you don't feel it's a problem anymore and then you start focusing on other things. And this is exactly the point where you start looking into other processes exactly. or having criticism, which is very healthy. Um, so I try to keep updated with all the new processes or, or learnings from you know other companies just because uh, sometimes if someone um, you know writes about it and explains what they were trying to solve, It helps you identify whether you're suffering from the same problem. Exactly. And I also use the word suffering <laughs> very specifically because sometimes you have the same problem, but you're not suffering because of it. Yes. And this is the point where you don't necessarily need to solve it. And it could seem very cool or like very efficient, but sometimes it's not really worth to overhaul because... Uh, you know, I've been to several companies when the Spotify model is like around for the last few years. Yeah. And some people approached me and had said, that's, you know, very cool. It solves a lot of problems. Let's just make a shift for that. You know, it gives greater autonomy and motivation and all of that. But if you look back to your company's problems and everyone has problems, it's just about which ones you want to solve. I'm saying it as a positive thing. Like mm -hmm. we all have mm -hmm. that. We should look at this in the eye and decide what we want to solve. Um, then in most cases so far, it didn't really solve our problems. Exactly. And this is why I held back and I had to, in some meetings or, you know, meeting with stakeholders or other people in the company just to say, we're not going to do that. And they said, you know, why? I mean, we have the the manpower or the woman power <laughs> or uh, <laughs> um, the, the people and the plans and... And we have the right setup to support this, you know, in terms of like the amount of people and the professions and, and all that. Um, uh, we could just do that and, you know, be updated with the times and, and keep pace with, I guess, the business or the tech industry. And But it didn't really serve our purpose, purpose. And I said, all right, so maybe first we try to solve some things that are bothering us in our process. And if we feel that's not appropriately answering that need then we can consider an overhaul. So I'm also opting for definitely trying to, I guess, I guess that's our message in yeah. general that 
if you try to use things uh, that are in books or online, even your journey model, if someone opens it up and is, it's truly inspirational. And then you say, great, I'm just going to do this. It's going to solve all of my problems. Don't <laughs> I, yeah. try to try to take a step back. And I know we, we say it a lot. Like we talk about communication and culture a lot and taking a step back and trying to identify the problems, but it's not as easy as it sounds. It's like someone telling you, uh, if you know what you want to do in life, you'll be definitely happy. But it's harder than it sounds to actually do this. I mean, the journey to finding out what makes you happy or to find out what the problem is, is actually the core thing that you have to do here. Because once you've identified the problems well, then the solution would reveal itself. Especially if you keep in mind, and please do keep in mind, that you don't have to use frameworks as they're given. Sometimes there's an asterisk and, you know, people say, if you do this, then please do this because it's complementary uh, rituals or something in the process that supports solving that problem. So maybe try to consider that and read thoroughly and, you know, use things appropriately. Um, and I'll just take one bit. But sometimes you can, uh, yeah, and I know you're smiling because we, we've both been in those situations where uh, someone would just read something and say, yeah, let's just take that small bit and it doesn't fit to the entire program. Yeah. And that's a problem to try to explain why. Um, and it's great if you take it as an inspiration and you say, all right, that's a good inspiration. Let's look at our problem and now make the fix with that inspiration in mind. That's great. Uh, but yeah, just keep the context of your problem, what you're trying to solve. And feel free to also say no to solving problems if they don't hurt. Yes. Because you don't have to fix everything. Exactly. Please do that more than anything else. And to those, for example, that will read the journey model out of our readers, I would basically recommend don't implement it. Not right away. <laughs> don't implement it. Think about your problem space. Think about the problems you want to solve and then see if the people you have are also willing to do that. Basically, it might even be that the problem space is the same. The problems you want to solve is basically the problems that you want to solve are the same. Mm -hmm. But the people you work with will not... like it's really important for them to have like this cohesive team unit and I work with the three people I like and I like working with them and shifting them around with from like team to team will be extremely difficult and basically they will be extremely unhappy. And one of the things that we did measure in that is in the one-on-ones after we implemented a journey model was we, we basically had a survey where we asked people how they feel and it wasn't like quantitative only oh, our velocity is improved by so much and we've delivered so many things but also are you happy with this model where you shift people all right. the time and you basically, you need to consider yourself as part of the big 12 Wikidata team and it's built in the process as well that we consider all of us as the yeah. big team and all the small like teams that are forming are basically where we are currently at, but we all belong to the big one. And this is really difficult for people. And if, for example, you need to ask yourself all those questions and, and then you can might take some of it, but not all of it. And that's yeah. also fine. Um, Maybe there's another point hiding there in your a very good example is that when we do small incremental changes, it's usually in a framework where everyone is participating and exactly. is committed to that. And when you do an overhaul, sometimes it's very easy to forget to do those checkpoints and or even to pinpoint what is the problem. Because when you change many things all together at the same time, and then someone or a lot of people are not happy with something, you don't know what was the cause. And that makes it a bit harder. So maybe another point to everyone who's listening is don't do an overhaul if you don't have the capacity to manage the overhaul. Exactly. It's not a one go and then from, you know, from Monday onwards, everyone's doing something differently and we don't even touch this. It's definitely going to take and consume some time. 
some management time, some team time, some thinking time, some hurting time and a happy time, you know, it would just take time to get used to that, which means slower delivery maybe in the beginning or maybe expedited delivery for the first couple of things. But then when the the focus changes, then maybe it hurts something else. Um, Also reconsidering sometimes after a while, should we keep doing that? Should we not? Should we uh, revert to what we had before? Should we change it into something else? This is a commitment to the team that you're working with. And if you're doing an overhaul, make sure it's not crunch time (laughs) that you're doing this in. Like if you have to deliver something next month, maybe don't do it now. Maybe just focus on keeping people motivated and clear on what they need to do and do it when you have a bit of a breathing room. Yes. Uh, So I think we can kind of summarize this episode and enjoy a very lovely sunny day. As we always say, somehow we always record when it's sunny outside. (laughs) Yeah. We should record more. I think the people of Berlin will actually appreciate us. (laughs) Anyhow. It was a cold week. It's crazy. It was a cold week. And, and now then it's like super we, sunny. Yeah, we set up the date. We turn on anyway, the microphones. And it's summarizing, yes. wrapping up, so, and then going out for coffee. Yes. Um, overhauls. Um, even though we spoke about overhauls most of this episode, it's basically, yes, there is a way to do overhauls right. Don't just... Uh, we. I think Yael and I, we, we share the same vision. Don't be religious and commit to one thing and just think in a single-minded way. Where, True. But commit to a process of changing the process. Exactly. Exactly. So, for example, don't commit to only do small incremental changes if it doesn't make sense. Like, I, I, it was difficult for me to even break out mm-hmm. of this place. But don't, don't only um, commit to overalls as well. Basically, try to, fig- try to understand what are your problems. Do overall if, if it's necessary, but like only if it's absolutely necessary. And if you do that, do that well. Take whatever we talked about. Hear identify what we the said, problems Identify well. the problems. Yeah. Read other stuff. We like you don't have to listen just to us. Basically, ask yourself how to do it right. Definitely, until something like you know catches your ear and you say, "Okay, that's yeah. probably something we should try." Implement um, points of basically uh, reflection in your mm-hmm. process. If you overall and or if you do small incremental changes, doesn't matter. Use your one on ones to and, that. Yeah. Have a process retrospective. If you do overhaul, like take into account like we in the journey model, for that's example, a good idea. implemented less year we still do a process retrospective so we still not just for for everything we talk about how the process is hurting us or what is actually helping us and then the process changes all the time as well and you can do it even if you're not doing the journey model so actually it's it's a great opportunity to either do lesson learned which is usually around a problem or something that occurred that we want to analyze or doing a retrospective which is something that's a bit more general but still focused so usually retrospectives are for the team and the team's process but if you're implementing a new process just like you said you can do a retrospective for the process and then you can invite more people anyone who's involved or is affected and just do it uh related to that it doesn't have to be every two weeks or every month it could be every i think we do it every every two months every two months yeah we do every two months because it's a really big meeting we have everyone involved in the process the people give input output everyone also it takes time to i guess yeah make a change and see if it's working it's not a one-week thing exactly because those bigger processes like uh are not as 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 an agile scrum team would would feel anyhow so do those things try to do try to accept that whatever you've done thus far has brought you to where you are so it's not a negative thing like even if you had some chaos like when i joined the team 
there was chaos. But that chaos in the first three years led the team to be amazing and to deliver more and to true. grow. So those things are positive. So we don't need to actually be negative about what we have. Yeah. The chaos happened once we grew to a size where the process didn't fit anymore. The problem space changed. Or so, the focus of the or, yeah. product or change of personnel. Exactly. But I, I like that approach when you say, you know, it, it brought us so far because it means sometimes when you make a change, it makes people, also me, feel like maybe I did something wrong until until yeah. now. And that's not true. I mean, sure, maybe. But it's it also brought us so far. Uh, and it's a good thing. So now we have the time and the focus and we care enough to try to make that change. That means that we are, you know, stable and looking into the future. Yeah, exactly. And this is a super important thing to do. And it's also, it's, it, it accepts that the people you work with are, are like you, I think it's a problem of also managers where some managers think, oh, how did you let this be? And yeah. you basically erase history and the people who work there, they feel basically, I don't know, um, assaulted by the manager and like new managers coming in yeah. in a way that because there's lack of appreciation, but those people actually done great things. And this is super right. important to appreciate what was done and to accept that sometimes there's a need for change and people who are doing the same thing over and over, they tend to, to have a problem to look at it. And me as a manager, this and is a problem for me. And that's why you bring a new manager or a new team exactly. lead or a change personnel is sometimes because someone from the outside can see, all right. We, it brought us so far, but now something needs to change. Exactly. And that's a positive thing when, when you, I guess, um, show your appreciation to yes. what there was until now. So, yeah, do small incremental changes. Do retrospectives. Use your one-on-ones. Basically, if you're a manager and if you're not a manager, as a team member, you basically can do the, like, basically... Tell your manager in a one-on-one problems that you Maybe have. We should do like an episode on that. <laughs> yeah, because I think I think one-on-ones will be a yeah. great episode. I think we already and we talked about also the process of career growth. I think yeah, as part of it. We'll talk about that. Too. And I think we said also a lot of things about good managers, bad managers here. Yeah, I think we have like three ideas of, an ep- of episodes that we <laughs> well, should. Well, stay make. tuned then. Yeah, uh, but actually, before you finish, because I, I I see that you're about to like finish the summary. I am. Uh, I actually <laughs> thought maybe each of us can uh, say something about our perspective about processes. Because you see them as a necessary evil, which we said when we first like started the episode. Yes. And I love processes. <laughs> so maybe we can say something about that. You, you, go ahead. I think you love processes. You can start with your, yeah, like I mean, sharing your love. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to keep it really short. But I, uh, I, think, I think in a processes kind of way when I look at things, it's very easy for me to... Uh, wear different hats, which I guess makes sense, uh, you know, due to my personality and the role that I'm doing. Um, when I look at a situation, I kind of deconstruct and kind of doing hand gestures here um, <laughs> to different levels. So I see what happened, you know, in that day to day in the specific situation. I also kind of see the abstract of what usually happens in those situations after I've been to the company, you know, a couple of months at least. And I've seen a few examples. But as another level, I kind of see the process, the skeleton that holds this together. And um, for me, at least, it's usually, I would say, uh, very honestly, rather easy mm-hmm. to kind of pinpoint where the problem usually lies, whether it was a communicational thing uh, today or yesterday or in this you know, delivery, whether it's something that's repeating or whether it's something in the process that kind of uh, makes the problem. However, even if I um, see this, Um, it's always good to verify with other uh, team members. And there were situations where I thought it's one thing and it turns out to be something else. Um, 
But I like processes because they kind of, they carry us as people and as teams and as, you know, one company working towards one goal. And I like it because it helps uh, when they're constructed well. It helps people by decreasing the amount of time that, and energy they have to spend on thinking about what is expected of me. When should I talk to someone? I mean, when you don't have a process or when it's more like startup-y, uh, I wouldn't say chaos, but disorganized uh, kind of teams and in the best sense of the word, then you have to kind of figure out day by day which is a nice thing to do. But I think if you give people um, a skeleton of like how they should work, be working, then they can spend their energy more on doing the work rather than figuring out how to do the work. And this is what I like about processes because it kind of expresses your expectations very well and it can uh, very well connect between teams uh, and people, not only just way down. Yeah, I totally understand that. And the reason I hate processes, maybe <laughs> it's because I worked in a lot of small startups. I still have this memory of delivering a lot of things quickly, not having to need meetings because we were like a bunch of four, five, six, ten people. Mm -hmm. And we just basically just talked in the hallway with a cup of coffee and we said, okay, this is what we do and we continue on. Yeah. So we didn't have those pauses or need for that. So Don't, it felt faster. It felt faster, but this is more like a memory of like some things that I've had. And I know that it would, I'm not able to recreate it. This is why I say it's a necessary evil mm -hmm. because do, do you know this handshake model, this mathematical thing? Oh. So if, if we need to share information between the two of us and we shake hands, this is how we share information. Mm -hmm. So if it's you and me, it's one handshake. If it's three people, it's three handshake. If it's four people, it's already six handshakes. Yeah. So and and from that point on, it really doesn't scale. So like, if we need yeah. to have conversations from seven to eight, nine, ten people already, it's tricky. And if it happens organically in a hallway, it's never gonna happen. So and this is where it's uh, like it creates problems between people because you can't share those informations anymore. So yeah. Um, so basically, the idea that that. So you're For talking me. about like more of a very early startup kind of situation or whether it's inside a team in a company or whether it's the whole company. Yeah, I just... there's nothing constructed. I, I just don't like processes because I have this memory of what it is to deliver faster and I was working in a lot of small startups. <laughs> it's really funny because you're like, you created a process that's like thriving. So it's it's amazing to see that you I like think that inherently those are, dislike it. <laughs> those are the people who should create processes. Yeah. <laughs> because then you trim all the fat out of it <laughs> yeah that's very true <laughs> like um basically the process i created is a lightweight spotify model with some other stuff um, yeah. I, I try to trim the fat yeah um, and as a person who likes processes i have to say that exactly to what you're saying as a response i try to remember also that a process doesn't solve everything and even if i can deconstruct in my mind and very well clarified to others it doesn't mean that we have to have a process so exactly sometimes as a checkpoint for me i also say like yeah, don't make any change. Let's see if we need that first. <laughs> yeah, I think my team is pr probably now annoyed by hearing, couldn't we just apply logic and not, not <laughs> implement something here? Yeah. And then I think a lot I of the time... you should have like a bumper sticker. I, Couldn't I we should, just I, apply some yeah, logic, please? Something. <laughs> yeah, um, because it's it's a problem coming up once in a while. It's like, should we have a process to fix this? I'm like, eh, can we just apply logic? Yeah, or if you worked with a process very well, which happens often when you... Um, apply something new then people like get married to the process yes right? which we had said already in this episode don't don't get married to it 
Just make make the changes that you need a long time. If it's working for you for a year, great. But always observe whether it's the right thing or not. Okay, I think I think I'm I, I think I'm I'm done. Yeah, I I'm think done. I am too. Okay, we really hope that you enjoyed this episode. Uh, we hope that we managed to kind of talk about small incremental changes and also an overhaul. Um, the positive, the negatives, I mean, how we see things. If you have any questions, we're happy to answer it and even do another episode if you want. Maybe we can uh, introduce the journey model in like a, a short episode. Yeah, why That not? That could be a good idea. Yeah, like just talk about the, like the, the language of it and what yeah, it is. Yeah, and, sure and the creation of it, I think. Four episodes came out of this episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. All right, well. Yeah, um, don't forget to follow us on TechPoint uh, underscore C on Twitter. Techpoint Charlie, the group on Facebook, Techpoint Charlie on LinkedIn. We, we also have yeah, we also have a website called techpointcharlie.blog. Oh, and we have stickers now. We have stickers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we don't have just the pins, we now have stickers. Um, I guess I'll just post it on our group on Facebook. We, yeah, we just like swag. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess I'll post it on the group on Facebook and Twitter and if you want some stickers, let us know. If you have topics that you want us to talk about as you see as you saw from this episode we basically created four out of thin air <laughs> but if you have any suggestions that you actually want us to talk about or you want to ask us questions i thought maybe we could also have like an episode where we just accumulate some questions and or maybe yeah. answer just random questions from our listeners True, at the end of each episode we get some personal questions too i mean professional but yes. personal that would be interesting to uh, reply to and maybe we can accumulate this to one episode but if you do have some like something you want to ask me something you want to ask us just just send it yeah and uh thank you all very much we're gonna go enjoy a sunny day yeah bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.